Hello, good morning from Mexico City. Hola, buenos dias. From Mexico City on Friday, July 5th, 2019. Welcome to the seventh chapter episode of my podcast, My Mexican Mistakes. And if I can't even get through the introduction without pausing and making sure I'm right, you could see I would make a lot of mistakes in a foreign country. Uh, So here I am back from Chicago. I went back for a few days for my niece's wedding, and it was a wonderful, lovely event. And also I saw the National at Northerly Island, Huntington Bank Pavilion. Uh, Love the National. One of my favorite bands, Probably the only band I would have bothered to have gone to the night before the big wedding. But I'll say this, and it has nothing to do with the podcast, but I will never go to Northerly Island Huntington Bank Pavilion again. It is a subject for a different podcast, if I were to do one, called My Big Complaints, because I would have nothing but complaints about that place. But Uh, I do love The National. It was a great show, um, even though I wish they would have done more of their old songs. And I can't remember what band it is that has a documentary called Shut Up and Play the Hits, but that's really what I feel like saying sometimes. But anyway, I saw my friends, I saw my family, I had a great time, and then it was back to Mexico City, and I've decided, after conferring with a good friend of mine, uh, and the numbers that are dropping on the podcast, as I said, I think on the last one, that if the numbers got any lower, I wouldn't have to do a podcast. I could just call people and tell them what I'm up to in Mexico City. So um, I, you know, I know it sounds like a huge ego thing, but it is kind of like, you know, not good to see the numbers steadily dropping on anything unless it's the scale Um, But, like, you know, I cannot figure out why they're going down. To quote Elaine from Seinfeld, could it be I'm not as popular as I thought I was? Um, So I have decided, with the help of a friend of mine, my dear friend who knows who she is, um, if she's even still listening to this podcast, uh, that I will make them shorter. And then yesterday... Someone told me that the key, as far as he's concerned, to a good podcast is that you can count on it on a regular basis. Like he knows on a certain day of the week, this podcast comes out. So with that in mind and all that advice in mind, I'm going to make these podcasts shorter and I'm also going to put them out every Friday. And I hope today is Friday, or that could be a whole different chapter for my Mexican mistakes. But I'm pretty sure today is Friday. Um, so, with like I said, with that in mind, this will be shorter and regular every Friday. And I guess the key to a shorter podcast, podcast would not be to repeat what I just said 10 seconds ago. So... What I want to talk about in my latest Mexican mistakes actually involves me trying to leave Mexico last week to go to the wedding because I made a series of mistakes 
And there was a point in time I thought not only would I not get out of Mexico to get to the wedding, but I could quite possibly be arrested. Um, not that I committed any kind of a crime, but I made a big mistake. So here goes. So last week I had what I would think is a pretty civilized time for a flight, nine in the morning, a return flight to Chicago. But when I made that reservation, I had not flown like internationally in a long time, uh, about 12 years. And so, you know, I, when I made it, I thought, oh, nine, you know, get to the airport by seven, you're fine. But no, international flight, got to get there three hours early. And then the Mex the airport in Mexico, which is, you know, huge, like everything in Mexico, except for the sidewalks and the bathrooms, the airport's huge, it's busy, um, it's like its own small city. I know I come from Chicago, O'Hare is like, what, the second busiest airport in the world? You could fit like five O'Hares into the Benito Juarez Airport in Mexico City. And I saw that coming in. So um, I thought, you know, okay, if I'm supposed to be there at 6 for a 9 a.m. flight, um, maybe I better get there like around 5.30 just to give it a little extra time, 5.30 in the morning. And of course, you know, in Mexico, I think the traffic is busy all the time. So it's not like you can, you know, hop in the car at 5 for a five, five, six o'clock arrival, better get there a little earlier than that, better leave a little earlier than that. So with all that being said, I basically left in the middle of the night for a 9 a.m. flight, um, but got to the airport in plenty of time. And um, amazingly, or maybe not, it shouldn't be, but when I got to the airport, you know, when you get to O'Hare, I mean, it's not like I fly a lot, but I've noticed when I fly out of O'Hare very early in the morning, there are some businesses open, but, you know, the airport is still pretty sleepy till about 6, 6.30, and then more places start opening. I got to that airport in Mexico City at 5 a.m., and it might as well have been like 5 p.m. because everything was rolling. Everything was open. I don't think Mexico City ever shuts down. I know Las Vegas says it's the city that never sleeps, but I have seen evidence of sleeping in Las Vegas. I see no evidence of sleeping in Mexico City. It's the busiest. It just goes. Um, and so get to the airport plenty of time. I would add plenty of time to make several mistakes. So the first mistake I make is this. When the driver drops me off, he points to two different doors and says I can go into either one of them. One of those doors is closer to the car. One is further away from the car. I choose what any rational person would choose, which is the door that is closer to the car. And I walk in and boom, security is right there. And so I think for once in my life, I have made exactly the right call. And I wait in that security line and I get up to the front and I proudly show my passport. I'm ready, 
listo, that's the word uh, here, when you're ready or you're done, listo. And I held out my passport and he checked my passport and I am not wanted in any countries by Interpol. Um, but he looked down at my luggage and <laughs> he said, "Are you? do you think you're taking that bag as a carry-on? And he looked down at my gigantic piece of luggage. And I said, no, I'm checking this luggage. And he said, well, you have to check the luggage before you can come through security. And when he said that, I knew he was right, but I just, it was still the middle of the night. And I was so happy to see a line I could get into and that I was ready for because I had my passport out that I jumped in that security line with the luggage I intended to check. So, but I wasn't worried and I wasn't even mad. I thought, you know, it's because it's the middle of the night. I haven't had coffee. I jumped the gun, got in the security line. So I leave the security line with my luggage and walk to where the other door that the driver said I could enter into. I walk over there. And if I would have walked into that door, the first thing I would have come to would have been the Aeromexico desk to check my luggage and get my boarding pass. Um, so, you know, I got it, mistake, um, sort of not my fault. I will blame it on the fact that, you know, it was like I was up all night. So I go up to Aeromexico, once again, show my passport, give him my name, he takes the luggage, and then he asks me for my customs document. And I have no idea what he's talking about. And he's like, the customs document, the document you got on the airplane when you uh, left Chicago. And I remember getting that document, and I filled it out. And I thought I turned it in to customs when I landed in Mexico a few weeks before, which is what I told him. And he said, no, he said, you would have shown it to them. They keep half, you keep the bottom half. And then he actually said, why don't you look in your purse? It's probably still there, which I thought was, you know, a pretty clever thing to say, except it wasn't. Um, And, you know, I looked through my purse just in case I missed the customs document next to my lipstick or something. And uh, I was like, no, no, I don't have any such document. He said, well, you won't be able to leave without it. And I thought, will I be staying in Mexico the rest of my life because I don't have a piece of paper? Is there any place I can get coffee before I have to continue this discussion further? If I lose my temper, will I be immediately arrested? So I remained calm and I said, but I have to be able to leave the country here's my passport, here's the ticket I paid for. Surely this piece of paper that I was handed by a stewardess at an Aeromexico flight three weeks before can't be the key to my future. And he said, no, he said, here's what you have to do. You have to go to immigration. Now he had given me back my passport And he gave me my boarding pass. But when he said I had to go to immigration, 
I had a vision of myself now having to get in a cab at like a quarter to six in the morning and go somewhere to immigration. And I didn't even know where that could be. But he said, no, immigration is like around the corner within the airport. So I, but he kept my luggage. So I thought, well, maybe I could just skip this whole thing because if he's taken my luggage and he's given me a boarding pass, what more do I need? But I thought I shouldn't be so quick to break the law in Mexico City, especially because A, I don't speak Spanish very well, B, I don't understand the metric system, and C, I don't understand the money. And so when you put those things together, breaking the law doesn't seem to be like number one on your list of things to do while in Mexico City. So I followed his directions. I walked over to the immigration office where finally I saw someone sleeping, and that would be the security guard at the desk. And I loved when I saw that because I do love the ways that Mexico City is sort of like Chicago. And a security guard sleeping at a desk is a scene I am very familiar with. I felt very much at home when I saw that. Um, and behind the glass, uh, you know, where the top-ranking immigration officials sit, apparently, was a woman in uniform inspecting her manicure. Again, a site I am very familiar with, especially having worked uh, in government for many years, women inspecting their nails is, you know, just a universal. And so I really felt at home when I saw those two. And I thought, well, if this is immigration, I've got this. And so um, I woke the security guard up with a quiet, excuse me, excuse me, and he almost fell out of his chair. And um, I tried to explain to him I needed a document. And his response made me feel even better because he knew exactly what document I didn't have. And so I guess a lot of people make this mistake. And uh, he handed the document to me and he told me to fill it out. And it was the same exact document that I had gotten on the plane you know, a few weeks before, but that I hadn't kept any part of. So I filled it out. And now I walk over to the manicurist slash immigration official and had to disturb her. And uh, I was like, excuse me. Um, and I handed it to her in the hopes that she would know, like the security guard knew, exactly what needed to be done next. When she finally looked away from her manicure to the document, she said, without looking up, that it was going to be like 575 pesos, which is like 37.50, um, and that she didn't take uh, credit cards. And again, I really felt comfortable in this exchange because this is very typical of an exchange you would have with a bureaucrat in Chicago or Cook County. They won't look at you. They can't wait to tell you what they can't do, and they can't wait to tell you what they don't know. Um, and so that, again, I was like very much at home. I mean, I could have been inside any jury room preparing witnesses for trial who couldn't wait to tell me what they didn't know. Once again, I was confident that I could handle this. And so I said proudly that I had the cash and uh, that I was ready.
And so with that, she took the cash, she took the form, she stamped a lot of different pieces of paper. She gave me my change, she gave me my form, and then in a gesture of humanity, she told me, don't forget it next time. And uh, trust me, I will not forget that form again. So after, and then I said to her, where do I go now? Because I knew that I had my boarding pass. I knew I needed this form and I had this form and I was told I couldn't fly without it. So she said, give it to Aeromexico as if I had asked like the dumbest question in the world. So I returned to the Aeromexico desk, returned to that guy, waited in two different lines to be able to get to him, the guy who told me I wouldn't be able to fly without it, and I proudly handed him my immigration form and was now ready to leave the country. He said to me, why are you giving this to me? And I thought, why am I being tortured and I still even had coffee? And I said, you told me that I couldn't fly without it. He said, but that's true. And I said, well, here it is. I was trying not to raise my voice, but at that point, I think I'd had enough of what I felt was being like inside of a pinball machine. And it was still pretty early. So he said, well, you can't fly without it, but I don't want it. And I said, but who wants it then? Who do I have to give this to? Why did you tell me I needed it? Who wants it? And then he said, calmate. So I thought, okay, you're right, calm down. Um, and he said, hand it to, I don't know, the gate. Hand it to the people at the gate when you board. And I was like, all right, something the manicurist slash immigration agent could have told me um, instead of just give it to Aeromexico. But I took it back. And then I finally got coffee and then some more coffee and then breakfast. And then pretty soon my flight was ready to be called. And I happily turned in that piece of paper to the, cust to the person at the gate who took it. I could see everybody, or not everybody, but I guess it was people who were not Mexican citizens were all turning in that piece of paper. So it is an important piece of paper. If you come to Mexico, keep that piece of paper with your passport. It's not as bad as losing your passport, but it's it's pretty darn close. And also, you know, you have to allow enough time at the airport to make mistakes. So I'm quite certain the next time I try to leave Mexico, which happily will not be until December, um, I'm sure I'll make additional mistakes at the airport, but I won't make those mistakes. And when I landed in Mexico a couple of days ago, the customs agent stamped a bunch of things and then gave me back the bottom third of that form. And I realize now how important it is. And I stuck it in with my passport and it's buried with my passport. So those were my mistakes. And I think that there was a moment I might not have gotten out of the country, but then I think, well, there's worse things that can happen than you spend the rest of your life in Mexico because it's still fantastic here. I was happy to come back. It's 
it, you know, I was happy to see the crazy cracked sidewalk in front of my bed and breakfast. Um, and I was happy to be out yesterday celebrating the 4th of July with two friends who were in town. Um, they're traveling on their honeymoon through Latin America. And we celebrated the 4th of July a very traditional way by having delicious Oaxacan food, including duck with black mole. And I don't know what kind of mole I was eating in Chicago, but I'll tell you this, I can't go back to that, whatever that was. I can only have black mole, and it's going to have to be in my contract, whatever that contract is. Like Madonna can only have clear liquids in her dressing room and white M&Ms or whatever nonsense she's on, I can only have black mole. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, and I hope this slightly shorter version of the podcast and broadcasting from now on on a regular basis, I say broadcasting like I'm NBC, um, broadcasting the podcast on a regular basis will keep people coming back. Um, and if you want to know more about my adventures and misadventures here in Mexico City, you can follow me on my Facebook page, Gringa Novelera, Instagram, Gringa Novelera, or Twitter, Gringa Novelera. Although right now on Twitter, I am totally focused on that moron who is the president of the United States to our eternal shame and disgrace um, and his 4th of July speech yesterday that, uh, I don't know, uh, George Washington protected the airports or something, that he somehow brought airports into the Revolutionary War after giving a speech that sounded like something a fifth grader would write for a book report, totally copying from Encyclopedia Britannica. So right now my Twitter is more about what a moron he is and what a disgrace he is and less about my adventures in Mexico City. So if you want to see anything about that, that's on my Twitter page. But everything else is on my Facebook page, which is, like I said, Gringa Novelera, or you know my own page, Karen Kerbis. Um, my telenovela adventures continue here in Mexico City, and then I'm watching a new one about a bunch of lawyers, and it's called Amar por Amar Sin Ley which means love without law, which if you can be a lawyer and completely disregard the law, that's like the best of all possible worlds. Um, okay, I will say goodbye and tell you more about that novella next time. And of course, there'll be a few more mistakes. Adios, hasta luego, and muchas, muchas, muchas gracias.